2 Corinthians chapter 5, we've been looking here for a number of weeks, about eight or ten weeks now, talking about who we are in Christ Jesus and this very foundational truth of our walk with the Lord, and that is that we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. We're asking this question, what is right with us? And like we've said so many times already, people have such a tendency to find and focus on what's wrong with them. And we're not trying to pretend that nothing's wrong. I know that things do go wrong. But in those times when something's off, something's not right, whether it's in the heart or in the body, in the finances, in the relationship, you're not going to do yourself any good by just focusing and magnifying what's wrong. You're going to have to find out what's right with you according to the word. And according to the word here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, what's right with you is that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now to really see that and understand it and believe it and walk in it is one of the biggest things that any believer could ever do in their lives. And I encourage you, if you haven't been with us through these messages, go back and feed on this stuff and listen again and again and again. Anybody getting anything good out of this? I'm telling you, I am. My eyes are coming open. And what has come is a bit of a surprise to me as we've dug deeper into this, and I think I knew it to a degree, but not like I should have, is that as you dig into righteousness and what it means to be the righteousness of God in Christ, what you're really discovering is your identity, who you are in him and who he is in you. And we asked this question last week, how do you identify? And that's a very timely question, isn't it? Because people all over the world are identifying as anything and everything. And it's important to know as believers what we identify as. And we identify as the righteousness of God in Christ, not because we were born that way, but because we were reborn that way. That's our reborn again identity. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. One translation says, so that we might be made right with God. The Amplified Classic Bible says that we would become the righteousness of God. That is what we ought to be. I might say what you were created to be. To, to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. And again, this is all about identification, how you identify, which is why we talked so much last week about what we don't identify as. And I'll boldly tell you again, I don't identify as a sinner. And that's not to say I've never sinned and that I don't miss it. I just don't identify with that. I identify with Jesus and his victory over it. Amen. Like we already said before, so many people identify as sinners saved by grace, and it sounds good, but the truth is you can't be both. You either are a sinner or you got saved by grace. You either identify with the sin or with the grace. I'm going with the grace. You going with the grace? Now, what I didn't see um, moving towards this, but I see so clearly now, is how baptism fits so perfectly in what we're talking about. I actually kind of thought, well, maybe we'll wrap up that series and then we'll talk about baptism and then move on to something else. But the more I dig into this, the more I realize it's almost like the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing. 
It's almost like he shows you things to come or something. Baptism is all about identification. And what we're going to do here for just a couple of minutes, there's that faith statement again, just a couple of minutes. I want to show you from the scriptures as I look through the New Testament, I can see three, three baptisms. And we'll touch on each one of them. But every time one of these baptisms occur, a change takes place. A change in identity, if you will. And you see this same concept here in 2 Corinthians 5, just a few verses before where we just read, verse 17, you're familiar with it. What does it say? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you might say if anybody identifies, if that's their identity, then he is a new creation. Well, what happened to the old things? The old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. There's a change that took place. There's a change that took place, and thank God for it. Is there anybody in here thankful you're not who you used to be? That God has done something in you that only God could do, and he's changed you from the inside out, and the old you is not who you are anymore. There's a new you, glory to God. It's the three, two, one, happy new you. That old man is dead and gone. There's been a change. Somebody say, there's been a change. There's been a change. Let me talk to you just about some of these baptisms, and I'll have some scripture on the screen for you. You don't have to turn there. One of the first ones we see in the New Testament is in the gospel accounts when John was baptizing people in the River Jordan. We call him John the Baptist. It's not a reference to the denomination he was a part of or what church in town he went to. It was John the Baptist because John baptized people. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 5, this is amazing to me. It says, Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan. Notice this confessing their sins. This is revival, church. This is something that by every natural standard should never have happened. There's nothing particularly appealing about John. He's a rough dude. We know from a few verses before this, other places, he's dressed in, what was it, camel hair. He's got a very interesting diet. He's a wild man. But people didn't go out there to see a wild man. They were drawn by something that had never drawn them before. And they were baptized. Did you hear this? Confessing their sin. John didn't say, confess your sin. This is something that just came out of them. And that's why the Bible calls this a baptism of repentance. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Now, a lot of talk has been made about repentance and who should repent and who doesn't have to, and that's just some crazy talk. Repentance is a good thing. Repentance is a gift from God. Repentance, whether you're talking about with God or other people, has the power to instantly restore relationship. Because what repentance is, is just honesty. 
Now, people want to say, well, we, we don't have to repent because, you know, the blood of Jesus and we're already born again. And, and it's, it's, they connect some strange dots sometimes. What they're not realizing is, no, you want to. You want to. I mean, think about what other relationship in your life would thrive or flourish without honesty. It doesn't work. Relationships thrive where there's honesty. And that is true with your relationship with God more than anyone else. And repentance is just being honest. It doesn't mean you've got to beat yourself up. doesn't mean you've got to hit your head with a hammer and just beat yourself with condemnation and guilt and shame. That's not what it is. It's just being honest. Acknowledging, Lord, that wasn't right. What I said, what I did was wrong. You call it wrong, I call it wrong. And I thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses me of unright. Well, what, what is something that is unright? It's wrong. It's wrong. And this is what was happening out there in the Jordan River. People were just getting honest with God. There was an anointing that was drawing these people and without being compelled or obligated, I, I don't know what happened first, if they confessed and then went under or if they went under and as they're coming out, they're saying what they've done wrong. I mean, I imagine John heard some wild stuff out there. People confessing, but what's happening? They're getting honest. And what John said was, I'm preparing the way. I'm preparing the way for who? For Jesus. So can you see what's happened? He's getting hearts ready. Hearts are getting ready because there's one coming. And that's what he went on in the same passage to say in verse 11. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Here's another baptism. We'll see more about that in a second. But John was getting these people ready. His baptism was symbolic. It was prophetic of who and what was to come. He was preparing the hearts of the people to receive Jesus. Can you see the change in identity that took place even in a baptism of repentance? They went under those waters in guilt and shame and came out getting honest. There's a change that's taking place. And that's what baptism represents. It's a change. So why do we do it the way we do it? Well, think about it like this. You go into water, just physically, naturally speaking, in one condition, but you don't stay in that condition. Nobody has ever gone into water and came out the same way they were before they went in. You go in dry as a bone. And if you submerge, which is what the word baptism means, it means, to, it means to submerge, it means to overwhelm. If that happens in water, you don't come out in that same dry condition. Something has changed. And it's representative of what's happening in our hearts. That's why we do this. There's a change. Somebody say, things are changing. Let me talk to you about a, another baptism. We've talked about the baptism of repentance, but Galatians chapter three says, 
you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If you were with us last week, you remember we talked about identifying as sons, not slaves, sons. And that's male sons, female sons. We identify as sons in the house of our father. And as sons in the house of God, we have every right. We have every privilege that a son has. And this is what righteousness does. It elevates you to the status of sonship. It brings you up to the place where you have access to all those rights and all those privileges that a son or a daughter has in the house of their father. Amen. We could say more about that, but listen to this. He said, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, we're all God's children. It's always funny to me when I hear people say that, especially in a very secular setting. It's so funny who you hear say, well, we're all God's children. Well, Jesus looked at a bunch of religious people one day and said, you're of your father, the devil. So evidently, we're not all God's children. I just want somebody sometime to say that on a talk show. I just want somebody to look back across the table at that host when they're challenging that preacher and they're saying, well, aren't we all God's children? I want some preacher to say, well, actually, you're of your father, the devil. I'm not saying I want it to be me. I'm just saying I want somebody to do that. But there's two families in the earth. And the only way you become one of God's children is through faith in Christ Jesus. So maybe the right, right, right way to respond to that, to, you know, aren't we all God's children, is to say, well, have you put faith in Jesus? And if so, you know, amen, bro. We're, yeah, absolutely. If not, you have a different father. But he says we're sons through our faith in Christ Jesus. Well, that's the same faith that made you righteous. We are righteous, not by our works, but by our faith in Jesus. Now listen to what he says in connection to it. Galatians 3, 26. We're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You were baptized into Jesus, which is not just a baptism of repentance. You're baptized into him and he said, when you were baptized into him, you've put him on. One translation says, like putting on new clothes. It's a change. It's a change, right? Have you ever had one thing on? Gentlemen, let me ask you. Have you ever been wearing something? You went into your closet and you put that on and you're going out with your wife tonight and, and you think you look good. And Notice I said, you think you look good. And you come out of the bedroom there and you say, I'm ready to go. And she looks at you and she says, is that what you're going to wear? Listen to me. It sounds like a question. It's not a question. It's a statement. You know what the statement is? That's not what you're going to wear. And you're looking at it going, well, what's wrong with this? And she's like, baby, come on, help me out. Shorts, plaid shorts, striped shirt, black socks, sandals. What are you doing? Go back in there, right? And do what? 
take all that and burn it and put something else on. Why? It doesn't work. It doesn't match. They, they, they don't work together. We're laughing. This happened in my house. What time is it right now? This weekend, we're just, we're going, I got shorts and a t-shirt on. And she's like, those shorts, yes, that shirt, no. I'm like, it's a, it's a t-shirt. What's what? She's like, just, just trust me. And I do. So I went back and changed. And when that one didn't work, I changed it again. <laughs> like putting on new clothes. Why? Because that's not working. But do you know, ladies, this will bless you. Do you know how much like the ministry of the Holy Spirit that really is? Because you and I, as born-again believers, those who have been made the righteousness of God, who have been baptized into Christ, he said, you've put on Christ. And the Holy Spirit lives big within us because even though the old man has passed away, have you noticed this before? He tries to get up every now and then. He tries to resurrect, doesn't he? To the point where Paul even had to write to Christians and say, put the old man, put off the old man. Would you have to tell Christians to put off the old man? Yeah. It's like I'm doing right now. You got to tell Christians, church going folk, put off the old man. He said that to him in Ephesians 4. And if you look those words up, put off, it's literally the words used to talk about taking off a garment. And he said, put on the new man, which literally translates to put something else on. When you're baptized into Christ, you put him on like you're putting on new clothes. And yes, there are times when that old man, though he was crucified, somehow got himself up off that cross, has arisen, and he tries to show up every now and then. And he tries to show up in conflict. He tries to show up in times of pressure. He tries to show up when, when things are getting heated in conversation and somebody says something to you and you say something back and they say something to you and all of a sudden it starts to boil up on the inside of you and you know what you're going to say that's going to put a stop to this. It's going to put an end to them and here it comes and just before it comes out of your mouth, the Holy Ghost says, um, is that what you're going to wear? Is that what you're putting on? Because that doesn't match what's going on in here. You've been baptized. You've been submerged. You went in that way. Don't try coming out of the water that way. Let this get all over you and you come out wearing Jesus. Amen. Put on Jesus. Baptized into him. Glory to God. And then finally, I want you to see this as well. Do you hear that? Finally. In the book of Acts, I want you to turn there. Acts chapter 18. Go down to about verse 24 with me. Acts 18, 24. Is that what you're going to wear? Aren't you thankful for your wives, men? Oh, Lord, you that was bad, guys. You had such an opportunity right there. I, yeah, yeah. You need to be baptized. <laughs> Acts 18, 24 talks about a man named Apollos. 
It says, Apollos was born at Alexandria, and he was an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. Just a few short words there, but that gives us a lot about his history. Alexandria was a very advanced city. The library of Alexandria was there. A big emphasis on education and knowledge. And Apollos came out of that culture and that kind of society. And it says he was an eloquent man. It means he spoke beautifully. He talked pretty. And he was educated, had a lot of book learning he'd done. He was an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. It says he came to Ephesus. Make note of that. He came to Ephesus. And this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit. It means he's passionate about these things. He's a, he's a good speaker, passionate speaker, fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. That's all he knew was John's baptism, which we already know is a good thing that the move of God can happen and a whole city and multiple cities can come around and a, and, a, and a mighty move of God can come where people just by the own conviction of the Holy Spirit begin to repent and get honest with God. And so, you know, as he's preaching that baptism, that's what's happening here. But that's the only thing he knew. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Interesting scripture, isn't it? They heard him preach and they pulled him aside. Now, these are people who spent time with Paul and knew not just this baptism of John, but they knew there was more. There was more. And he pulled, they pulled him aside and said, man, you're preaching good. That's some good preaching you're doing. And look at people repenting. Glory to God. This is awesome. You want to know what else happened? And they began to explain to him more accurately, telling him that there's more than just that baptism. Skip now to chapter 19 and look at verse 1. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. So Apollos was at Ephesus. He left there and went to Corinth. Paul comes behind him, and now he's in Ephesus. And I love this conversation. It says he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. These are people who have believed. They heard good preaching. They repented and believed. And Paul said, Well, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, we didn't even know there was one. We never even heard of a holy, what now? What, what'd you call it? A holy spirit? And Paul, he's kind of surprised, I guess. He said to them, into what then were you baptized? See, we're talking baptism. He said, you didn't receive the Holy Spirit. Well, what, what were you baptized into? And what'd they say? Into John's baptism. Well, what do you know just from that right there? These guys went to Apollos meetings and they heard Apollos preach and he spoke beautifully and eloquently and passionately about repentance. And they said, I think I'll do that. And they got baptized into repentance. But what Paul said to him in verse four was, he said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance 
saying to the people they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, now they've experienced not just one baptism, but two. That baptism of repentance, now they're being baptized into Jesus. What are they doing? Putting on Jesus. Like a change of clothes. Taking the old man off, putting the old man on, or the new man on. They were baptized in the name of Jesus, but verse 6 says, when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Two baptisms in the same day? Yeah. They had already experienced the baptism of repentance, which prepared the way for Jesus. A heart that was ready to receive. And when they were baptized into the name of Jesus, what did John say? There's one coming. Yeah, I'm baptizing you with water, but there's one coming. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire is a lot like water. You go in one way. You don't come out the same. Unless perhaps your name is Shadrach, Meshach, and or Abednego. All the rest of us go into fire and things get burned up. That's what I'm believing God for today. I know we're going under the waters of baptism, but that's not the only baptism that's available to us today. There is a baptism of repentance. And if you got things in your heart you want to get honest with God about, I highly recommend you do it. Because intimacy is born out of honesty. And you want to draw closer to him, get honest with him. Lord, what I did was wrong. You call it sin. I call it sin. Don't play games. Don't play games. Lord, you know I have issues. Don't call it an issue. Call it what it is. That's sin. That is unright. And if that's what you call it, that's what I call it. And I receive my cleansing of it now in Jesus' name. Today, for those of you who are going under those waters, it's representative of something very real. You go in one way, you come out covered, totally changed, clean. Amen. We're being baptized into Jesus. And when the old man tries to come back and we try to dress ourselves again in, in the clothes of the old man, remember this, you got baptized. Remember this, you went under those waters of baptism and you came out with Jesus all over you baptized into him and you can put him on like you put on new clothes. And I got to tell you, your new clothes are much nicer than your old clothes. He looks much better on you than you ever looked on yourself. Baptized into Jesus. And then finally, we're being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now you talk about a change. That's going into the fire. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can go in weak and come out strong. When you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you can go out, you can go in confused, but come out with confidence and clarity, 
power like you've never experienced before. He is Jesus' gift to you. Jesus is God's gift to us. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' gift to us. Receive the gift. And there's a change that takes place. Amen? Are you open to all of these baptisms today? Now, there may be more in the Bible that I don't know about. I'm sure there's plenty in the Bible that I don't know about. But I see this today, and this is where I want us to focus our faith, focus our hearts. And this is what's going to happen as we're baptized today. Just stand up with me, and I'll read you this last scripture. Did you hear that last, last scripture? <laughs> Folks, we have witnessed a miracle. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Put this on the screen. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. He said, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, that's baptism, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. I identify as a son, not a slave. I'm not a slave to sin, to unrighteousness. I am a son in the house of my father. And so are you. And this whole verse is about identifying with him in his death and his burial. So what you're about to see is somebody go under the waters of baptism. What is that? That's death and that's burial. Now, we will not leave you there three days and nights. But it's not just his death and his burial we identify with. What is it? His resurrection. Raised again in the power of his resurrection. I identify as somebody who was crucified, buried, and risen again. Because I identify with Jesus. And our baptism is a public declaration. And what we are saying is, I identify with you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And if this ungodly world around us can get all over social media and all over every other platform and say, I identify as this thing and that thing and whatever, you can be bold to identify publicly as the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Altar ministers, would you come to the front? Praise you, Lord. Let me pray over you, and then we've got some instructions for you before we dismiss and go outside together. Father, we come before you once again this morning so thankful, so grateful for Jesus, who he is and what he's done for us. And we boldly today identify with him. And we put off the old man. We put off the old ways, the old thoughts. We put on the new man. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We thank you for the change, Lord, that has taken place. We know things have changed, things are changing. Church, I believe that's the word of the Lord to you today. Things have changed. Things have changed. Things have changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, The old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Things have changed. You need to meditate that word and receive it. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the change, the transformation that's taking place in our lives right now as we hear your word. And in just a few moments from now, as we publicly demonstrate our faith in you and we are united with you in your death, your burial, and glory to God, your resurrection. Your resurrection, life, and power at work in us right now in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.